that if you haven't already had an encounter with the Lord, that you will before you leave this place today. Because he came into this house. He brought you into this house for a purpose. So open up and receive what he has for each one of us today. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, scripture that a lot of us are familiar with, it says, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together shall men give unto you. And this is usually the scripture that I pull out when I'm trying to um, squeeze some pennies from your pocketbook. When we talk about money. But in this series on respect and honor that we've been in these last few weeks, however, we've seen that if we give honor and respect according to the word of God, that honor will be given to us in return. Because 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30 says, the Lord speaking, for those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. But now, friends, listen to me. If we're going to let what we've heard these last few weeks take root and manifest, manifest itself in our lives, we're going to have to view life from God's perspective, not from this perspective of this world, but from God's. You see, because when Jesus came to this earth, he called us to be his followers, and he called us to come out and be different from this world. As I said earlier, as Christians, we're supposed to be practitioners of the reverse. It's an upside-down kingdom of Christ that we exist in, and in it we go up by going down. We live by actually dying. It's a kingdom of paradoxes. You see, in the world of Jesus, it's a centurion's faith that gets the attention of God. And Jesus came to change the way that we live. And we fail to live the life that he's called us to, that he wrote down in the book before we were ever formed, if it doesn't change the way that we look at this life. And part of that upside-down kingdom is giving honor to God, of course, but then also giving honor to God's delegated authority in this world. Why? Because God told us to. Now, we begin the series with the passage in 2 John, verse 8, that says, Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things that we work for. But that we, might re that we might receive a full reward. And so John is telling us that it's possible for us to work our entire life. But yet we work with the wrong attitude, the wrong motive, or the wrong heart. And then we get to the end of our life and we lose our entire life's reward. That's the same thing my mom used to tell me almost every day. You could lose it, boy, if you're not good to me. We talked about life-defining moments and how the town of Nazareth only received a partial reward because they withheld honor from Jesus. And then we saw how the Pharisees received no reward at all because they totally dishonored the Lord. In that first session together, we learned that God is a rewarder and that there is reward for those who show godly honor. In the second week, we focused on honoring God's delegated authority in the world. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 40, Jesus says, He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And then whoever gives one of these little ones a 
only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. You see, Jesus is saying that you honor me by honoring my delegated authority. And Jesus lets us know that he's going to send people our way, and when we receive them, that we are honoring him in the process. See, there's an opportunity for us to receive a reward when we honor God's delegated authority in our life. Then last week, we studied perhaps the most difficult part of honoring those who God sends our way, and, and that's respecting and honoring the harsh or cruel or unfair authority that God places in our life. And I'm not talking about your spouse. You know, I was hoping with the move of God during worship, you'd be a little bit looser, you know. You, you know, you'd kind of... First Peter chapter 2, verse 18 says, Servants, you must obey your masters and always show respect to them. Do this not only to those who are kind and thoughtful, but also to those who are cruel. But you see, it's difficult for us to reconcile how a good and loving God would call upon us to submit to those in authority who actually mistreat us. One time, a, a new boss, and, and he was working at a company, and this guy wasn't particularly a nice guy. And he had only been in the factory for three months, but he was beginning to get the distinct impression that all the employees hated him. That's a bad sign after only three months. So he called in the shop manager and said, why don't the workers like me? At my last place, they gave me a set of silver-plated knives when I left. The shop, the shop manager said, is that all? If you'd leave here, we'd give you a solid gold dinner set. <laughs> Hard authority is tough. It's difficult. But we have to remember that according to Romans chapter 13, verse 1, all authority is ordained by God. And that includes even harsh and ungodly authority. So now today I want to conclude our series by sharing a few biblical truths about the benefits that we receive when we serve under unfair and harsh authority. The first benefit is if we're treated unfairly, our obedience to submit to that delegated authority puts our case in the hands of God who will judge the situation justly. Listen, friend, when we take matters into our own hands and we retaliate or we try to defend ourselves, God will step back from the situation and then, buddy, we're on our own. And here's the thing, we may even win a challenge against that authority, no matter how ungodly it is, but the beginning of that bitterness that has happened in our lives can take root in our heart. And if it does, it will manifest ourselves, it will manifest itself in our life and affect everything we do. But you see, here's the promise of God in His Word. If you submit to ungodly authority in some area of your life and you choose to let God fight your battle, Deuteronomy 34, 32 verse 4 says, The Lord is your mighty defender, perfect and just in all his ways. Your God is faithful and true. He does what is right and fair. 
I want you to know God says, I will be your attorney. I will be your vindicator. But folks, listen to me. The minute you try to take care of it by yourself, and the minute you try to defend yourself is the minute that you take God off the job, and then it's all up to you. But you see, if you leave it alone and trust God and submit to his delegated authority in the world, he has promised that he will fight your battles. You know, God has many titles in the Bible that, refer, that we refer to him as. Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Jehovah Shalom, our peace. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. But there's also one that is Jehovah Nisi, which means God is our banner. In the old days, armies would go into battle with a banner in front of them which told which side they belonged to. And when God says, I am Jehovah Nisi, he is saying, I will be your God who goes before you in the battle. See, when I try to defend myself to ungodly authority and unfair authority, I take matters into my own hands. That is when I rob Jehovah Nisi of the opportunity to go before me and fight my battles to vindicate me. Now, if I want Jehovah Nisi to be my banner to go before me in battle, that means I have to line up with his word. And his word says to submit to all authority, even cruel authority, and by doing so, when I do that, that is when I give God a chance to actually be God. How many times have we crowded in front of God trying to do his job for him? You see, it's all a matter of trust. Let's be honest today. Do we really trust God to fight our battles for us? Or do we think that he needs our help? The second benefit that happens when I honor unfair authority in my life is summed up in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because of this you are called so that you might inherit a blessing. Folks, the whole purpose of this series is for us to understand that there is a reward for honoring authority. Now, one of the reasons that I don't mistreat or rebel against or speak negatively of the ungodly and unfair authority in my life is because if I don't repay evil for evil or insult for insult, but yet I return the evil or insult with a blessing or with honor, God says that then, then that I am in line for a blessing or honor. Now, now, I get it. Hey, I get it. I know that a sharp tongue stabbing jab that nails that no good so-and-so against the wall feels so good. Oh, that feels good. But I also know that it's not as good as when you are blessed by Almighty God. I would take God's blessing over my revenge any day of the week and three times on Sunday. See, when I'm mistreated by someone who's in authority over me, but yet I still choose to honor them in doing so, I'm honoring God. And the Bible says that now I position myself for supernatural blessing and supply and provision because of that honor. The Bible says when you honor my delegated authority, you honor me, and in return, I will honor you. 
Pretty plain. God's deliverance comes in our lives when we choose to honor him, even when our human logic can't get a hold of it. Jim, he was a junior executive in a large insurance company in Dallas. Now, this isn't a joke, so don't hang on for the punchline. I know you're just on the end of your chair. What's the punchline? What's the punchline? No, no, no punchline here. But Jim was up for a promotion. He had seniority, he had the productivity, but when the promotion was announced, it went to someone who was less educated, less qualified, and had less experience. Has that ever happened to anyone here? Well, Jim felt the reason he had been passed over was because of his race. Well, Jim contacted an attorney, and the attorney told him that he had a very strong case, a very legitimate case. But it just so happened that the very next Sunday, Jim's pastor preached on the scripture I just read, 1 Peter 3, 9, that says, return evil and insult with a blessing, and you in turn will be blessed by God. So Jim talked to his pastor about the situation, and the pastor said, you know, Jim, you can hire your attorney, you can go that way if you want to, but you have to remember. When you do that, you're taking the matter into your own hands. But the pastor said, Jim, I'm telling you, if you'll leave it alone, God will fight your battle. Now think about Jim's predicament. You've got advice from the world telling you, man, you got a good case. You've really got a good case. And yet you've got someone giving you godly counsel that says, Jim, if you do that, you're going to take the whole load on yourself. And God's not going to be there for you. What would you do? Well, Jim and his wife prayed about it. And they agreed. And they said, okay, God, we're going to take you at your word as humiliating and as unfair as this whole situation is. So the next day, Jim goes to the very boss that had overlooked him. And Jim gave him honor. Jim said, I trust your leadership and judgment. I will serve this company with my very best. And as if that wasn't enough, then Jim goes to the guy who got the job and blessed him. Jim says, hey, if there's anything I can do to help you in your new promotion, if I can help you be more successful at your job, you let me know. I'm going to help you any way I can. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Jim enjoyed doing that. Just like forgiving someone, we don't always enjoy doing it, but yet that's the commandment. And I'd also love to tell you that the next day, boom, heaven opened up and gold started falling out from the sky. We all love a happy ending, don't we? No, it didn't happen that way because God's timetable is not always our timetable. You know, why does it seem like that, that when God is fighting on our behalf, he always shows up a little bit later than we'd like him to? <laughs> he seems like he's kind of a half a step behind where we want to be. But friend, that's the point. If we'll trust him, he will be our Jehovah Nisi. Yeah. 
He will lead the way into the battle according to his time schedule. Well, a few months passed by, and out of the blue, Jim received a phone call from another competing company asking him to come for an interview. You know, Jim told him he was happy. He'd kind of gotten used to everything. He'd settled back into the routine of his job. He liked it. You know, everything was okay. But yet this other company kept pursuing him. And finally, after multiple attempts, they convinced him to at least have lunch with them. So they went to lunch at a nice restaurant. And they were visiting, talking about their golf games, about the kids and all that stuff. And then they got to the point where they wanted Jim to come to work for him. And Jim said, no, I'm really not interested. And they said, well, look, go home, come up with a number that would be large enough. Come up with a number that would be large enough to convince you to leave where you are now and come and work for us. And then we'll get together again next week. So Jim went home, told his wife about it, you know, and they discussed they didn't really want to leave where he was. And, and so he and his wife, they got together, and so they came up with a number that was three times his present salary. Three times. And they laughed about it, and they said, well, hey, this will sure make him leave us alone. Well, the next week, Jim goes to the meeting with that amount in his pocket, and, and as he starts to reach into his coat to pull it out, the man that was talking to him said, now, Jim, hang on a minute. I know we told you to get a number, but, but let me show you the number that we came up with that we're willing to pay for you to come work for us. And he handed Jim a letter. And when Jim opened that letter, it was a contract for four times his current salary <laughs> plus benefits and a company car. Well, now, it doesn't take rocket science here, but Jim doesn't work for that company anymore. He doesn't live in Dallas any longer, and he's not a junior executive. He took the job offer, and he's one of the main executives at a company that dwarfs the company he came from. But here's my point, friend. Had he chose to fight for the position he wanted, he had the evidence he could have taken matters into his own hands. But had he chose to fight himself, God could have never given him the position that God wanted him to have. But when he left it in God's hands, God accomplished God's purpose in Jim's life. Friend, we have got to get it in our heads that this is an upside-down kingdom. We've got to stop trying to straddle a fence and be this part in the world and this part in the, in the Word. It will not work that way. We are to be practitioners of the reverse because God's ways are not our ways, and God does not always pay on Friday, but He will pay on time. In the persecuted churches around the world, People clap their hands just like we do when they praise God, but yet they never let their hands touch for fear of making too much noise, for the fear of being caught. You see, they whisper their praises quietly because, because if they're discovered, at the very least, they're going to jail, and in many, many places, they're executed. And you see, when they do get caught, they let God fight their battles. They put their hands out. 
They allow themselves to be handcuffed. They go to prison. And many of them spill their blood willingly, not like a terrorist looking for a reason to die, but as followers of Jesus Christ who refuse to deny their faith, even if it means losing their life for Christ. And because they submit to the ungodly authority over them, God is honoring them. And it's in these places where the church is being persecuted that the church is growing the fastest in the world. And yet in places where churches have all sorts of freedom, they can do whatever they want, whenever they want, but yet it's in those places where we don't understand authority and honor and respect, that is where the church is dying and struggling. Friend, there is something about honoring God. And there is a blessing that comes when we return honor for evil. The third reason that I need to trust God rather than vindicate myself is because the Scripture promises that when I do, it builds godly character on the inside of me. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1 says, Since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with his same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now another way of saying ceased with sin means arriving at a place of spiritual maturity. In other words, when you submit to that ungodly authority in your life, God begins to work the mind of Christ on the inside of you to develop spiritual muscle in your life. Romans chapter 5, verse 3, But we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces endurance, and endurance character, and character hope. Of course we don't like it. Of course we don't enjoy it. But when I submit to ungodly authority, the struggle, the pressure, all of the pain, and denying to myself that I have to go through, that process is developing strength of godly character in my life. But you know, I mean, let's be honest, it's hard to compete with ungodly people. It's like the husband that came home, talked to his wife and said, good news, dear. At last, I finally managed to land that big contract I've been working on for so long. The wife's eyes got big, and she said, honestly? And the husband said, well, let's not get into that now. Her husband frowned. <laughs> Is the joke that bad, or did you not get it? <laughs> How many got the joke? You're just raising your hand because you don't want to be embarrassed. You know, there's nothing worse than having to explain a joke. <laughs> At last, I got the big contract I have been trying to get. And she said, honestly? Like, and he thought she meant, you mean you actually got it by honest means? And he says, well, let's not get into that now. Just talk among yourselves for a minute. I'm going to take a break. I mean, you, you guys almost broke my spirit on that one. Just almost. Not, not, you didn't. You didn't. Because God is my vindicator. Yeah. 
Suffice it to say, honoring God will build godly character in your life. But here's something interesting that you need to understand. There is a difference between submission and obedience. A difference between submission and obedience. Submission is the attitude that we have inside. And obedience is the action. Now, all through the Bible, God tells us to walk in submission and obedience to godly authority that's over us. But there is an instance where he tells us while we need to stay in submission, yet we have the right to not walk in obedience. And that's when the authority over us demands that we sin or that we walk out of compliance with the Word of God. But see, even when that happens, never, never are we alleviated from the ordinance of submission. You say, Mike, are you sure about that? Well, I think I am. I mean, remember the Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3? These guys were told that if they don't bow down to honor a golden statue of the king, that they're going to be French fried in a fiery furnace. But in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to argue with you in this matter. This is the case. If you're going to throw us in the fire, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king, if that's the way that it's going to be. Notice they didn't say, you stupid idiot, good-for-nothing king. God's going to strike you dead. They said, well, that's fine, your majesty. Go ahead. But you need to know this, O king, that we will not serve your gods nor worship the gold image which you have set up. See, they honored God by refusing to sin, and then they honored the king by still submitting his authority in his position of respect and speaking to him out of respect, even though he was about to take their life. Submission is an attitude of the heart where obedience is the action. And so listen, friend, if you have to walk in disobedience to authority, when they demand that you disobey the law of God, please don't be like a lot of believers with a holier-than-thou attitude and a hateful finger in their face. Jesus didn't do that. And we shouldn't either. We need to make sure that our heart is still submissive to the authority even when the Word of God allows us to be disobedient to it. It's an attitude of the Spirit. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 is speaking to people who are being persecuted. And they were under the authority of ungodly people. Who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? In other words, yeah, they may persecute you. They may even take your life. But who is it that is ultimately going to hurt you? Because even if they take your life, then you're going to be promoted to heaven. Thank you. Thank you for that sympathy clap. I, no, really, I appreciate it. I do. And I can imagine someone sitting out there and saying, yeah, Mike, you know, I hear that. But listen, I'm not worried about them taking my life. I'm worried about Walmart, 
uh, I'm worried about State Farm. I'm worried about whoever I work for taking my paycheck. That's where the rub comes in. I'm not worried about my life. We have laws. I'm protected by that. But my paycheck is what I'm worried about. Because listen, man, I've got bills to pay. I've got mouths to feed. If it was Starla, she says, I've got shoes to buy. <laughs> I mean, I can't do without my paycheck. And listen, friend, I realize that it's scary. Because after all, we live in a really immoral society. But verse 14 says, even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are still going to be blessed. So don't be afraid of their threats and do not be troubled. Friend, listen to me. It is Almighty God who is going to defend you. It is God who is going to bless you. And it is God who is going to promote you. And he will do it in the here and now. But even if you die, you are going to live. Because if you lose, you win. If you go down, you're going to go up. Verse 17 says, For it is better to suffer for doing the right thing than doing evil. Why? Because there is a reward for honoring God. You see, in the story of the Hebrew children, there was a fourth man in that fire. God honored them by saving their life. And after they came out, the king promoted them. And friend, when you honor God's delegated authority, whether it's good or bad, God will also be with you in your fire. You know, I wonder how many times have we responded wrongly to unfair treatment by authority in our life by retaliating on our own behalf. And because of that, how many promotions have we missed because we responded improperly? And we ended up tying God's hands. All I know is when we honor God's delegated authority, God will honor us. Let me close with this. I've gone a little long. It's those singers' fault. They just kept going and going. <laughs> Let me close. Now, it's 2019, right? Next year is 2020. It's an election year. And I can just imagine the amounts of vicious attacks and trash talking will reach an all-time new high. Or should I say, a new low. You see, because we now live in a culture where verbal attack seems the order of the day. I mean, let's be honest. We've lost our sense of civility and no person and no position is off limits. And with the increase in technology, it has made it so much easier for, for people to be vicious towards one another because now they can hide behind a screen. I mean, people will say things in an email or on Facebook that they would never dream of saying in person. Isn't that amazing? And so, and so when we hold up this topic of respect and honor against the backdrop of our culture, it is radically counter-cultural. But here's the sad part, friends. Too often it is even counter to Christian culture. You're sitting in my seat. How dare you take my parking place?
But one of the ways that we can shine the light of the gospel as a believer to an unsaved world is to craft a culture of honor in our life and in our church. Now see, when you craft something, it takes skill and expertise and focus. You're never going to drift into a culture of honor, especially in this day and time. You're never going to stumble into an attitude of honor, especially in this day and time. It's something we have to cultivate and craft. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. But see, that's just the opposite of our society's norm. Our current culture competes to show that we are the best no matter what we have to do. Dog eat dog. I'm going to trample over you to make sure I get to the finish line first. But you see, the Apostle Paul says, if you want to compete, go ahead and compete. But compete at showing honor to other people. Let that be the contest. Who can I show honor to? And one, way, and one of the ways to do this is to choose to be unoffendable. Unoffendable. Now you may say, Mike, you're crazy. And you find the concept of choosing to be unoffendable, actually you find it offensive. Because after all, in today's culture, isn't it my right to express my feelings? Aren't I justified in my anger? As a Christian, aren't I supposed to be angry at certain people for certain things? Those dirty liberals. Those idiot conservatives. Praise God, hallelujah. Friend, in a word, the answer is no. No. Because when we forfeit our right to be offended, we are making a sacrifice that is very pleasing to God because it strikes at our very pride. And one of the things God hates is a prideful heart. And when we choose to be unoffendable, it focuses us not only to think about humility, but it actually causes us to be humble. What a concept. Not just to talk about it, let's actually do it. And let's be honest, if the truth be told, it's not even, we're not even forfeiting a right. You see, because that right does not exist. Because as followers of Jesus Christ, we are commanded to forgive if we're going to be forgiven. And that means the resentment and the anger has to go. But yet day in and day out, society, Dr. Phil, Oprah, they're all telling us there is a positive, even essential side to anger. You've got to vent. You've got to vent. 
And then even as Christians, we like to quote Ephesians 4, 26, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So we take that to mean, well, we can be mad and offended until sundown. Isn't it funny how we think? How we try to justify the scriptures to what we want our emotions to do? So I can be offended till sundown. No. Read the whole passage. Verse 31. Let all bitterness, all wrath, all anger, all offense, all clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you along with all malice. And what does it say then? Be kind to one another. Be tender-hearted to those who hurt you. Forgive those who have mistreated you. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I didn't read that. I didn't see that. Oh man, I, I should have left that out of my notes. Friend, can we can we can we erase that? Even as God in Christ forgave you. Man. You know, I'm as guilty as everyone else. You know, someone pulls in front of me and I scream and yell and, you know, Starlet preaches me under conviction and I ignore her and, you know, I mean... It's no different from any of us. See, because, because that's, that's the society. That, that's the way we're being bombarded. There is no respect or honor anymore. It doesn't seem like in our world. Now, Paul says that, yes, we're going to get angry. It's going to happen. We're human. But we've got to let it go. We've got to get rid of it. And here's the reason why. We have no right to it because God forgave us of our offense. If anyone here has not been guilty of sin in your life, feel free to stand up and preach me down. I know I can't. I've had to fall in the grace of God so many times there's not enough numbers in the multiverse to number them. And here's the bottom line, folks. <laughs> grace is not for the deserving. None of us deserve it. But yet Jesus came and died so that we might have it. And forgiving means surrendering our claim to resentment and then letting go of the anger. We show honor to others when we forgive. Can I have five more minutes? Just five more minutes. I think I'll be out of here. Notice I said I think I'll be out of here. But <laughs> can you imagine 
Can you imagine in a world that seems to spin on the axis of offense how refreshing and how attractive unoffendable people would be? You talk about a wake-up call with a slap to the face of our early morning coffee. If we come across someone and they're actually unoffendable, how attractive they would be? Did you know that term, attractive, is in the Bible? In Titus 2, Paul talks about making the gospel attractive. You know, we want to wonder how to get a lost and dying sinful world saved. We do it by making the gospel attractive. And when we treat people with respect, we make the gospel attractive. When we truly love people, we make the gospel attractive. When we use words of honor with those we come in contact with, we make the gospel attractive. So in the midst of our social and cultural environment where verbal assassination is the order of the day, we have an incredible privilege. We have an incredible opportunity of making the gospel attractive by showing respect and honor. And that, my friend, will draw the unsaved to Christ. Because after all, isn't it all about do unto others as we would like them to do to us? Bow your heads with me if you would. Now, I know, I know there are people who are struggling with unfair authority in their life. I know you're facing a tough situation. And as you deal with those, with those authority issues, I know that you would really like to leave it in the hands of God, but, but I also realize that everything within you wants to take care of it yourself. So today, you need a supernatural anointing of grace to give you the power to walk where logic says that you can't walk. Friend, today, I, I, hope you, I, I hope you've heard the gospel. And the gospel is an invitation to come and die to Christ, but yet to live in Him. And God says, if you'll surrender to me, I will be your Jehovah Nisi. He says, I'll be your banner and I'll go before you in whatever battle you face. But you need to leave it up to me and let me take care of it. Friend, I believe respect and honor is a forgotten virtue in our culture. And I believe that's the reason there's moral lawlessness in our society. I really do. There's little or no honor of God's authority. And there's certainly little or no honor of his delegated authority on the earth. But ladies and gentlemen, we need a revival of honor in our life, in our church, in our city, in our country. And we need to rekindle the flame of respect. Because God says, if you will honor me and my delegated authority, I will honor you. I will bless you. 
I will reward you. You know, I told you at the beginning of this series that honor is the key to heaven. And that walk of repentance can begin right now. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the greatest act of honor you could ever give him is giving him your life. And so if you're here today, you have sin in your life, whether you're a follower of Jesus and things have crept in or, or whether you've never known him, but yet you need to be forgiven today. You need to bring your life in line with the Word of God. Would you raise your hand and say, I need forgiveness today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Friend, let this be the day that you honor God. Anyone else? Yeah. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will revolutionize you will revolutionize our hearts. Create a heart of honor in our life. Lord, change the way that we view this life so we will live a life that's in alignment with your word. Lord, I pray that you would give grace to those who are being mistreated in situations in their life, and I pray that you would give them the strength to place the battle in your hands. And Father, I pray, I pray, I pray that this church will be a church of honor. And it will be a church that honors you and honors each other. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.